For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. everyone to WCW Retro. I'm your host, Good evening, Papa Stro, the Maestro of Wrestling. Great to have you guys with us always. This is the place to be, folks. We talk about past, present, future professional wrestling, but so much more. You never know who's going to call in. It's at the fun. the Wahoo West of Podcast. It's always a great time right here in WCW Retro. And tonight, we're talking greatest moments in wrestling history. And, uh, man, I'm looking forward to diving into that subject with you guys and uh, call in anytime and give us your favorite wrestling moment in history at 914-338-1885. Once again, that number is 914-338-1885. And before we get to the callers and talk shop uh, tonight, uh, make a few announcements and shout-outs, if you will. Uh, first off, uh, my legendary wrestling brothers, the Demolition, is celebrating the 35th anniversary uh, with uh, their new fan club, Demolition Fan Club which you can join by going to 80swrestlingcon.com. So check it out and support my brother's demolition, man. Um, 
And also, uh, shout out to the rest of, um, Masters of Ring Entertainment, mastersofringentertainment.com, Fish with Special Friends, Fish with Special Friends.com, Cauliflower Alley Club, cauliflowerallyclub.org, and uh, support uh, VOC Nation. We support VOC Nation on uh, Pro Wrestling Tees, uh, prowrestlingtees.com slash VOC Nation. Get your favorite VOC Nation T-shirt today, including one of WCW Retro and of yours truly, Papa Stro, the Four Faces Stroke. So support us there. And if you'd like to make a donation to yours truly, buy me a cup of coffee, tips, etc. And thank you for you guys who have already donated to me. But if you'd like to donate to yours truly, moi, send it my PayPal, paypal.me, M is a Mary, E's and E, slash Papa Stro. That's paypal.me slash papastro. And thank you in advance for your support. And support me on my social media, uh, my official website, thestro.com, merchandise page, thestro.com slash merchandise. Get your papastro merch today for all ages, including pets. And thank you for so much for your support. Um, shout, okay, Facebook at Stro the Maestro, Twitter at Sign the Stro, Instagram at Stro Maestro. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, guys, youtube.com slash Stro Maestro. I'm on Twitch, guys, also, twitch.tv slash RealPapaStro. And for bookings, for wrestling, commentary, voiceover, oh, goodness, uh, I do a lot. <laughs> uh, guest speaker, uh, Comic-Cons, conventions, uh, commercials, if you'd like to catch me for your television or film project. Um, and then some, I do a lot of these charities, interviews, et, et cetera. Uh, email me, hook me up. Uh, Strofoy at yahoo.com. Let's talk business. And if you'd like to be a future guest on another episode of WCW Retro, uh, hit me up also, WCW Retro at yahoo.com. And uh, thank you so much, as always, for your support. Lots to talk about tonight. Um, excuse me one second. Let me let my dog in. Uh, Ebony, she likes to join me on these uh, WCW Retro podcasts. Give me one second. My office door as we speak. So, got to be good to the fur babies. You know how that goes. By the way, my new dog, Duke, is doing well. Growing like a weed, my new Great Dane. Doing great. And Sparky's doing well, of course. You know, Dorothy. So, so Dorothy and I will be on uh, the Stro Zone uh, Friday night on Facebook.com. So that's Stro to my Stro. Our a feature of Friday night will be Dyer of a Madman, starring Vincent Price. That's tomorrow night. So check it out, the Stro Zone. And uh, with that, let's get to the callers, shall we? All right, let's just jump right into this. Uh, first caller, uh, 479 area code. Welcome to WCW Retro. Well, hello, Stro. Well, hello, Granny Hulkster. Glad to like, join us. How you doing? I'm I'm doing well. I heard you talking about your fur babies. And I love the picture that you posted of Ebony smiling. <laughs> oh, yes, she has a cute little she, smile. <laughs> she loves to have her paws and feet rubbed. So, so time, what kind of dog is Ebony again? Oh, Cocker Spaniel. Cocker Spaniel. Oh, that's beautiful. what I thought she was. That's what I thought she was. She yes, she's a very pretty dog and and yes, I you I I love your fur babies. I love when you talk about your fur babies. So they're very important. Oh, they're great. Yeah, she's my diva. She's like my diva of the group. So yeah, she's uh she loves to be pampered and loved. <laughs> Of course, of course. So, mm. well, uh, stay around, Granny. Thought I, uh, thought I, I thought I would just call in and hang out with you guys tonight. Okay, yeah, please do. Well, sit tight. 
Um, we're, we're going to bring in Professor Steve. He's going to join us here. Oh, uh, yeah, Steve, that'll be back. a good one. Brother, how you doing, man? Hi, Steve. Well, no, Steve's Very actually good. a caller. <laughs> Steve, welcome. Welcome to WW Retro. Welcome back, man. We got Granny Hoekster in the line. And, uh, Hi, Steve. Yeah, tonight, guys. Tonight, guys, we're talking uh, greatest wrestling moments in history. Uh, so uh, if you have any that come to mind, please do share. Yeah, um, greatest debut, probably Kane at Bad Blood 97. Mm. The uh, Michael Stone Cell match. And yeah, Kane ripping yeah, the board. Paul Bear, that Vermont's Vincent Mann, like, selling it hard on commentary. Um, mm-hmm. Undertaker getting that delay tombstone after Shawn Michaels had been beat up for a lot of the match and getting the win. It was uh Yeah, that's when that Kane ripped out the door. He ripped the cage door down. Yeah. Right? On his debut? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's heavy. <laughs> you remember Kane, Granny? Oh yes, I remember him. Mm. Big boy. Yes. Yeah, that was a that was a great debut. Oh my god, I got a funny Kane story for you. One, um, I think it was a SummerSlam. I was visiting some of the boys and girls. They're uh, one of the SummerSlams, and in the back, uh, he's talking to Kane, and he still had his whole you know, mask and everything, the whole suit on. And one of the ladies in production brought in a puppy, the Kane, right? And, and Kane literally was laying on the ground, rolling around, playing with his puppy. And his whole outfit, right? It was, it was hysterical. I just <laughs> it blew my mind. He acted like a big kid in front of the, the little puppy. Right? <clears throat> it was so cool. That reminds me of uh, yeah, Christian Liger uh-huh. something similar. Oh yeah, that, that that that's cool, man. Yeah, I remember that. That was a pretty impressive debut. I mean, I, I mean, he, he looked terrifying with Paul Bearer coming out there. Face an Undertaker like that. Yeah, it's the Michael Myers vibe. Right. Period. All right, that, that's a great great start with the Kane debut, man. That, that's really cool. What, what a moment that was. Um, Granny, is there a, a moment, a great moment in wrestling that sticks out in your mind that you'd like to share? Well, you know, there's so many. I mean, there's so many to choose from. I mean, but, you know, being that, being that, you know, I love dogs and everything, and I'm such a dog lover, being the dog lover I am, I remember the time that Matilda got dog napped. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Matilda. Matilda. She got dog napped. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Who kidnapped her? Do you guys remember who were the ones that kidnapped her? I forget who was the people that kidnapped her. The whole, the whole angle of that. Wasn't it British Wasn't it Midnight Express or something? Or I don't remember. Gosh, it's been so long. I'm not I'm sure. Have really, to look that. I'm I'm going to have to look that up because I don't remember. I mean. 
I mean, I remember, I remember, I remember who they who were who Probably were they who they were feuding with at the time, but I'm trying to remember. It was Bobby Goodness. Heenan. And yeah, Bobby Heenan. Who, who was who was the tag team he was with? That was feuding with the Bulldogs. Islanders. Islanders. Haku and Tama. The Islanders. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my God. That's scary. Thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you, Steve. <laughs> That's scary to think. I couldn't, re- I couldn't, rem- I just, I couldn't, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember, but I had to search. Oh it. my goodness! The thought of Haku and him. <laughs> Jesus. Poor Matilda. Right. I don't. You know, Ken Resnick uh, said one time that Matilda gave the best interview of the Bulldogs. I remember him saying that. <laughs> that that's hilarious. Oh man, Matilda, man, my goodness. But yeah, I remember that. God, that I was so, I was wild too, right? Ah, oh, man, the Islanders, man. Gosh, that that, but that that's really cool. I mean, both. Oh God, man, both these mo- mo- memories are great. The Kane debut and the Matilda deal. Wow, that that's so cool. What a great start so far. Um, I mean, how, of course, you know you I, had what? so many great you had so many great moments with the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express with their feud that they had over the years. You know. Oh God, yeah. What, what a that that their feud lasted forever. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh my goodness. I, there's one particular deal they did. And the Fantastic did the same thing with Men Express, where every time Cornette would celebrate a birthday, they would come out and put his cake, put the cake in his face. <laughs> I remember that? That was funny. Oh man! And Cornette, I mean, he would just—he'd be in the ring at just as much <laughs> as uh, Rock and Roll at Midnight. I mean, he would just be in the ring taking bumps, just like everybody else. It was crazy. Well, I got a funny story to share with you that happened in an independent show, and this was before Granny Holster ever was thought of, Stro. But it was my birthday. It was my birthday, and there Mm -hmm. was another girl at the show who was having a birthday, and that was her first wrestling show. And one of the wrestlers, his girlfriend, made me a strawberry cake for my birthday. And Blake Albright was bringing it out, bringing the cake out, and everybody was singing happy birthday to us and everything. Well, Trent Stone came up. It was Arkansas Arkansas Pro Wrestling was the independent wrestling company. They wrestled, like, in Lincoln, Arkansas, and Salem Springs. And Mm -hmm. Trent Stone came up and waylaid Blake Albright from the backside and down. I mean, they managed to save half of my birthday cake. But they were like, oh, wow. do we want to have a cake in the face match? And we're like, yes. And I told Trent Stone, I said, I said, that's what you get for destroying my birthday cake. And so <laughs> it, the match went on and everything. And Blake Albright, he came and whoever got the first piece of birthday cake in the face lost the match. Well, Trent Stone mm-hmm. got a nice big piece of strawberry cake with strawberry frosting right in the face. And I took a picture of him with that strawberry frosting all over his face. And 
I said, how's that strawberry ta frosting taste there, Trent Stone? And he just rrr at me, you know, and I said, that's what you get for ruining my birthday and ruining my cake. <laughs> oh, man. And then, like I said, right. that was before oh. Granny was ever even even thought of. I mean, before Granny Holster ever came into the picture. But <laughs> I, I bet that cake was delicious. Sounds wonderful. Oh, it was. It was. And they, mm. they managed to save half of it, thank goodness. But you know, so I got to take half no, of my birthday good. cake home with me. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's that's great. Oh man, I, yeah, I, I was watching the other day of um, guys of uh, the Stone Cold Rock uh, singing along the Jimmy Buffett song in the ring. If you remember that when they're doing the whole sing along bit, man, that was mm -hmm. terrible. Yeah. You remember that Steve? You remember that Steve that was in the sing along? Rock and Stone Gold? Yeah, I have to go back and watch it. And um and and, and they they were pretty good together, just Stone Cold had trouble in the high notes. <laughs> the, the rock and the high notes were pretty good, but so he was having trouble getting those high notes right. It was so funny. That was right in the middle of their big feud they had. I I going into WrestleMania, I think. I'm talking about that, yeah. Good stuff. I thought it was, uh, I thought Dawson stuff, uh, when he was singing the events was funny. Him and, uh, and plus Austin oh, yeah. and Kurt, Austin and Kurt had some funny moments. With the little ukulele thing they were playing in Vince's office, and Kurt had the little cowboy Yeah, he was, <laughs> he was playing Jimmy Crack Corn or something like that. On, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Acoustic guitar. Oh my God! I like I like the tide I like the Tide commercial they have out right now. Stro with um, the football player. I think it's Peyton Manning and Steve Austin and Ice T, and they're talking to Gordon Ramsay mm -hmm. on the phone. It's the Tide commercial, telling him he needed oh, yeah, to wash yeah. him cold, and he got food. He got the food stain all over his white chef shirt, you know, and. And he says, okay, and I see, he says, and you're going to use cold? And he says, yes, I'll use cold. And Steve Austin says, that guy needs to chill out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Great stuff. Oh, man. Um, well, you know, you know when Steve Austin did the Broken Skull Challenge, you know, on the CMT network, you know, I, one oh, of my yeah, yeah. wrestling friends, one of my wrestling friends actually was a participant the very first season of that show. He didn't make it past the first round. He lost to the guy he was facing in the challenge, but he was in right. the first episode because it was Mr. Saturday Night Michael Berry because we had a watch party one night up in Joplin at Buffalo Wild Wings because he was out there for so many weeks and he couldn't tell his wife where he was or what he was doing. Everything was so hush-hush, so secret, you know, and everything. But we got right. to have a watch party one night when he was in the first season of that Broken Skull Challenge. Oh, yeah, I remember that show. That, yeah, yeah, that was a wild show. Like, <laughs> um, but, um, I was going to say, you know, speaking on um, – Moments. I mean, who can who couldn't forget the the debut of Chris Jericho in Monday Night Raw with The Rock? Oh yeah, I know. Mhm. Mm yeah, that that was amazing. <clears throat> that was just Y two J, right? And, 
and, and The Rock's response was was a classic. Oh my God! <laughs> the interaction of him and Jericho was priceless. Yeah, I like the uh, clock that they were using for uh, Jericho's debut. How they hacked it up. <laughs> Great, great, great stuff, man. I mean, probably one of the best debuts I've seen. It's funny he was. Um, was he? Oh, go ahead. I like how he buried the company as as he just shows up. Like I think it would have worked even today. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's almost like you know when CM Punk broke the fourth wall. And uh, that promo he did at uh, the match with Cena. Yeah, and then the Raw. Oh man, I mean, I, I, I my jaw was dropping as I can't believe he's saying this on <laughs> this company on TV like this. So it was pretty heavy. And then they finally cut his mic off, right? Remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he's talking he about the PS Star campaign. Son of law. <laughs> yeah. The doofus son of law. It was, um, it was, yeah, I remember, I think I saw it live, and then I even showed it to my sibling afterwards, who doesn't watch wrestling, because it was so good, and then, um, uh, I liked when he mentioned, uh, possibly going to New Japan at Ring of Honor with the title, it was like, it's just cool to hear the wrestling companies lead. They don't usually mention on TV. <laughs> and then he said, hi, Cabana. How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. That was um, speaking of Austin, remember the, the time where Mick Foley and uh, Austin visited Mr. McMahon in the hospital? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, uh, Mick Foley first saw him and uh, had, the, had the clown lady and... He brought Mr. Sacco mm-hmm. with him and <laughs> just irritating Vince. And then <laughs> he heard a nurse talk to the doctor and, and heard the doctor's voice sounded familiar. And it was Austin. And he had to hit him with, fry, with the, one of those pans. <laughs> yeah. And starts beating him up on the hospital the bed. The pan, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. That was hilarious. Right. God, you don't see stuff like that anymore. Oh my God, that, it's like you always look forward to watching like the Raws or even the Nitro. Well, the Nitros because I mean, there's always something exciting going down. You know what I mean? I wish I, think they, I wish they would do time. more stuff like that with the you know the days the days uh, shows, man. It'd be, it'd be much more entertaining, I think. I think the last person to be doing that is probably Chris Jericho. Because he'll, yeah. he'll do the wacky stuff, um, like getting the orange juice poured on him in that oh, white jacket. Oh, or, like uh, that's what, yeah, the orange Cassidy feud. Right. The, the, the mimosa also, the Kevin Owens, also, the Kevin Owens Festival of Friendship, when Owens turned on him, like up to that, up, that segment was so wacky up to the, to the turn. Oh, that was great. That was yeah. great. Oh my god, that was so cool, man! I hated that feud ended honestly because it was so entertaining. 
Remember the, and, uh, um, the painting they remember the painting they did like the painting yeah. of the clouds. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, God touching Adam painting, and then um, I think Jimmy Jacobs was the <laughs> one that was like writing for that story. It's pretty interesting. Oh man, he did a hell of a job with that one. That that was a great. That was entertaining. Gosh, I wish we had more of that nowadays. That'd be so cool. Right. Good stuff. Yeah, um you know you know, we got the possibility of Owens and Austin at Mania this year. I hope they do some entertaining stuff leading to Mania. Right. I'm really hoping that match between Austin and Kevin Owens will be night two. Yeah. Well, that, oh, that'd be a heck of a night, too, because I guess they're going to do, uh, if they do that, they'll also be doing um, Reigns and uh, Lesnar, too, title versus title, because uh, I think night one is, uh, they've already announced that Rousey and Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Right. So, yeah, that'd be cool. I, I mean, I, I hope that happens because Owens and Austin, man, that would just be icing on the cake for WrestleMania. Yeah, I think Owens would be a good opponent. He's got the history with Austin and does a stunner and can go in there and be a good river ball opponent for Austin. I, I got to throw in there too. Uh, you remember the, the few years ago with Jimmy Garvin and Ric Flair? Ric Flair won the date with Precious, his valet, who was, was actually Jimmy Garvin's wife, right? And they were in the hotel room, him, him and JJ, getting spruced up to meet Precious, right? And uh, it was so weird because they're in the hotel room, they're waiting for Precious to show up, right? And then they hear the knock on the door, and JJ hides in the closet. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and Rick opens the door. And he, and uh, he thinks Precious is walking in, right? And it turns out it was like Ronnie Garvin and Drag as Miss Elena Lively knocks him out <laughs> in the hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and Jim, uh, Jimmy Garvin throws J.J. Dillon in the pool. <laughs> oh, jeez. Priceless. That was so funny. Oh, gosh. But yeah, yeah, so many great memories. Um, oh, gosh. Um, any, any more that uh, you guys that come to mind for you guys you want to share? Oh, my gosh. I can't. Like I said, there's so many great ones that you could talk about. Uh, the uh, WrestleMania 3, Randy Savage yep. promo, the cream of the yep. crop. Oh yeah, with the the, the coffee creamer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, where? And they, and they're like popping out of nowhere. He's like rolling them all over his body and like, what? <laughs> what do you stuff himself with a bunch of creamers? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like spinning around, and then there's like my coworker even from another job quoted uh, that promo and he said nothing means nothing and I, I had to like 
I didn't even know what that line was. And then he told me, I was like, oh, crap. How did I know that? That, that was amazing. <laughs> uh, the cream rises to the top. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, man. That, that was, Randy was awesome. <laughs> that, that was a good one. I'm, I mean, who can, and, and speaking of Randy, who can forget the mega power split when Elizabeth was in the back with Hogan and Macho mm-hmm. Man cut the promo on Hogan and said, You have the lustful eyes of Elizabeth. <laughs> they got into it and, and and Beefcake tried to stick his nose in there and he got clobbered by uh, Macho Man. <laughs> oh my goodness. But, man. Lots of great times. Yeah, I, I used to like. We used to rib each other doing the Mega Powers handshake. Remember Randy and Hogan do the Mega Powers handshake and just like like step back a bit and slowly come around and reach the shake. <laughs> oh, oh man, good times, man. God, eighties wrestling was just uh, on a whole new level. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so many entertaining characters. I mean, large in life personalities, you know. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, yeah, well, here's one for you. Uh, Van, I remember when Van Vader made his uh, debut for WCW, straight from Japan, right? And, uh, oh, my God, he came out with the headdress. That you know that steam would come off right on command almost. Mm-hmm. It, it was the most intimidating. That was the match he, he wrestled Tom Zink at, right? And uh, mm-hmm. oh man, I, I'm just looking at Vader's like, oh my, this guy is so intimidating. You know what I'm saying? With, you know, with his with his debut, with headdress and everything. Because yeah. I've seen this stuff prior to Japan, and and I, you know, I was with you know he he did the MMA with me. With the same company that I was training with, um, UWFI, that was competitors of Pride Fighting. But uh, just to see his debut there, and when he came to WCW and the headdress, and he got from Japan and everything, and uh, it was just pretty awesome. And just the match against Z-Man, just the pure dominance that he showed, you know, it, was just pretty, it was awesome. Yeah, um had one of the best debuts in Japan, I think, too. Beat Inoki quickly and uh, caused a riot in Sumo Hall. God, he was so brutal to the fans there, too, man. You see how he was with some of those Japanese fans? Oh, my goodness. Had one of the most brutal matches with Stan Hansen, too. I oh, God, bulging. Yeah. Mm, crazy, crazy man. I mean, they had some classics, and yeah, they uh, he got the team with Bam Bam Bigelow there, at one point, and I thought that was yeah. like one of the best matchups, like tag team wise. I mean, at the time, like Bigelow and Vader, man, God, I wish they would have done more with them in the states as a team. They would have been freaking like a second coming to Road Warriors almost. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. The British. Been pretty awesome. We're being joined by uh, Chaz from Chicago to join us. Chaz, welcome, brother. Welcome back. How you doing? Hey, what's happening, guys? How are you? Good. 
Hey, Chaz. How are you, hon? I'm good. That's awesome. I was listening yeah. a little bit to what you're talking about with, with Vader. Packaging oh, is everything. Yeah. I mean, come on. It, Leon it, it, was it really no big is. deal in the AWA. Really... Goes over to Japan, and he's Vader. Second coming of the world. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Uh, what is like that transformation was like night and day. Seriously, from the mm-hmm. baby bull to Vader. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Leon, gold power, white, was no big deal. Big Van Vader was, but it's the same guy. It was the same style. Nothing changed. Same moveset, same everything. Different perception. Right. Perception is everything. <laughs> when the fans told me one time, uh, asked me if Vader and uh, Brock Lesnar were related. <laughs> oh, oh, it's different. <laughs> okay. Don't get me wrong. I mean, would you guys consider Lesnar a shooter? I mean, he's a legit grappler, but I don't know if he's a, uh, if he's a, a shooter as they as Luthez was and Ganya and Vader well, and Ignoki and a bunch of other guys. I, I don't know if he's as tough as those guys, but he was the UFC heavyweight champion, so. The UFC is a bigger I, work than professional wrestling is. You kidding me? I, I, if you don't think the I UFC is a work, that. I got some property to sell you. It's oceanfront <laughs> in Arizona. I do know he's a butcher. He's a great butcher, and uh, I'm I'm getting ready to get some of the seasoning he did with the Bearded Brothers. He's got the seasoning oh, awesome. for meats and stuff. Really, yeah. So I'll, once I get it, guys, I'll let you. I'll fill you in how it is because I'm anxious to try it myself, so I'm pretty amped. <laughs> very cool. Very, very cool. That's up. Yeah. So it's snowing yeah, in it's Chicago it's, again. Is it? Wow. Mm-hmm. Bless you. Bless you. When, when That's is your okay. springtime start out there? When's your springtime spring in spring Chicago? Start out there? Yeah, it lasts yeah. for about a week. You go to probably the early oh, really? part of April, and it'll last for a week. Okay. And then you get summer. Right. Oh, right into Chicago it, huh? goes from wow. freezing cold to blazing hot overnight. Man, I wouldn't sure how long your springtime lasts out that way. Hopefully, we get a month. Luckily, we get a week. That's oh, crazy. We had snow in April. <laughs> there, they had a, I remember one time about what, fifteen years ago, the Cubs had to postpone opening day because there was snow. Right. Speaking of snow. And Vader, remember that video montage they made of Vader and Sting? When Sting would go to like to some kind of mountain, and then and Vader yes. had like his fortress. That was yes. amazing. That was like a mini movie almost. <laughs> that was good stuff. I'm like this is that awesome. was good stuff. Yeah, that was awesome. You know what was awesome oh, cool, too? Where you guys were talking about <laughs> Vader with with Tom Zank, and just how he mm-hmm. brutalized Tom Zank. But I don't know if you guys remember when um, I think it was Brad Armstrong that was under the hood as Arachnaman, and Medusa damn near kicked him out of his shoes. (laughs) She gave him a sidekick, and he damn near kicked him out of his shoes. You never saw Arachnaman again. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. Oh, Oh, yeah, man, Medusa, she's tough as nails, man. Between her and Sherry Martell, you know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. Over-the-top characters back in the 80s and the early 90s, yeah, that was that was it. I mean, you basically, my opinion, if you were an NWA slash WCW fan, 
You were more of a mm-hmm. purist. But if you wanted right. the the entertainment value and the, and the the uh, the big time showman, you watch WWF. Yeah, between WWF and NWA, I mean every 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 match had an importance from the first match to the main event. I mean every match had a story. You know, I mean that's what I liked about yeah. it. You know, what I mean leading in, so yeah. you were entertained from start to finish. I remember Flair saying one time that um, Dusty as a rib on him, made him wrestle on the TV tapings at TBS at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday and told him he could pick his opponent. He said, well, I want George South. And he (laughs) worked a match with George South on TV, and I guess he told, the rumor is he told George in the back, he said, "Uh, today you're going to be Ricky Steamboat. And they pulled out a mini version of Flair Steamboat. The whole thing. Oh, they had great matches, too. But it just goes to show and you, you know back then, you had carpenters. Mm-hmm. You had guys to help build the house. You know, uh, guys like him and uh, like Denny Brown and uh, you remember the Alabama junior heavyweight champion? Yep. What's his, I can't, his name slips me, right? Uh, if you can think of it, let me know. Um, I am, I'm trying but, to picture uh, the guy right now. Yeah, yeah. But uh, guys like that would be like heck, they headline today. They're that good. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, um, here the Mulkey brothers with the right push would be gods today. Right. Oh gosh. I uh, absolutely. I enjoyed my interaction with uh, George at WrestleCade, and he even had a match with Muda at one of those WrestleCade. Wish I could have seen that. George could right. work. You know, the only thing that the only thing that stopped yeah. George, in my opinion, was personality. But George could work his ass off. You know, he trained Tessa, Tessa Blanchard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of his students are like talking to. Yeah, he's he's got a he's had he's got a good class of people come up in the business. Speaking of great trainers that that are now free, Cesaro parted ways with WWE. Wow. Yeah. And no, and and there is no no compete clause because his contract had already expired. They were in negotiations, and those broke down. So he is a, he's an absolute free agent. I'm oh, going to land in New Japan. Wherever promotion he lands, yeah. I mean they got they got gold mine with him. I'm thinking New I'm Japan. I'm really hoping. Yeah, I'm hoping for that too. Um, oh, more yeah. so than oh, AEW because AEW <laughs> I, I think is turning into WCW light. I only, I would love to see him land in New Japan. I, oh, I'm wondering how I'm wondering how soon Chris Hero gets back into wrestling and tags into Cesaro at some point. Even though Cesaro mm-hmm. could be great as a single, so. Mm-hmm. Oh, would that be amazing if they get back together? Yeah, man. I mean, Cesaro and Sheamus were a great team. Imagine Cesaro back yes, with Chris right. Hero. Awesome. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, and like I said, whatever promotion yeah. that they would land, they would land. They would, they would have a gold mine there with those guys. I mean, that's the good part. I think, I think Vince is starting to see the light, and that's the good part about breaking the, the the fourth wall, so to speak, and acknowledging that there's other promotions out there, and cross promoting mm-hmm. a little bit. I'd like to see more of that, but I mean, you know, it's a step in the right direction, I think. 
Yeah, the Mickey James. I can't James wait to see uh, Mickey James. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was the yeah. Olympic yeah, champion. Yeah, I mean, look, look, look. Look what she's done this year. My goodness. I mean, not only she's helped out with the NWA, but she was at the Rumble representing Impact Wrestling as the mm. champ. I mean. She's worked more I mean, than her paper champion husband ever did. Thousand plus days <laughs> as NWA champion. Less than 30 title defenses. You're kidding me? Out. <laughs> then he had, the, he had the audacity to open up his mouth and go, oh, I'm a national treasure. I'm, I'm better than Harley Race and Ric Flair were. Which day? No. In which universe? <laughs> Harley Race worked 30 matches in three weeks. You did them in five years. Well, we had COVID. Okay, oh great. Three and a half years, you still work less than 30 matches. <laughs> less than 30 title defenses. Oh Are goodness. you kidding? Stop counting days. Anybody can sit at home until I'm champ. Oh, okay, great. I got blocked oh, on Twitter God. for that. wonder why. That was hilarious. I said, you're a paper champion. That's all I said. <laughs> Next thing I know, you're blocked by Nick Aldis. Awesome. Got my heat. No, I'm not happy. It's <laughs> a badge of honor. Then I got blocked by Billy Corgan because I, I went and tweeted to Billy Corgan. Hey, Billy, <laughs> your boy is a paper <laughs> champion. Blocked. <laughs> That's tremendous. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, I told Batista. I said, if you're, I said, if you're, I said, if what did I tell him? I said, if your gumption was as big as your big mouth, you'd be the baddest badass in wrestling. Blocked. I love it. Ah, there was a one month span where I was just collecting blocks on Twitter. It was hilarious. Oh my goodness, man! And one guy says, "I don't know who you are, Chaz Moretti." I said, "You know who I am now." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, guys! I mean, you're gonna hear It's one. All right, I, I grant you the the world's been goofy the last year and a half, two years. I get that part. Oh, but God, if you're yeah. going to tout oh, your yeah. thousand plus day reign as champion when it's documented knowledge that you only had 27 title defenses and you're going to try right. to rank yourself above Ric Flair, Harley Race, Dory Funk Jr., guys that have that worked seven days a week, twice on Sunday. Because you had the matinee in one territory, you went to the next town and worked at yeah. night. So you had eight matches a week, four weeks in a month. It's 32 matches in a month, almost all of them one-hour broadways, and you did that for 200 plus dates a year. Uh, okay, yeah. so you're going to tell me yeah, that your 30 some, your your 27 title defenses in three and a half years will give you the two years away from COVID. In three and a half years, you worked 30 times. You defended your title 30 times. You're going to tell yeah. me that makes you better than guys that did that week in and week out. I got a problem. And with that's, that. that's, back in the day, that's back in the days when being a world champion was legitly being the world champion. You travel the roads and overseas yeah. and across and the country. And if you weren't any good, yeah. and if you weren't any good, and the fans never knew this, but if you weren't any good, guess what? When the NWA had their yearly promoters convention, your ass was getting voted out. Oh yeah, it, that was, it was that's the way it was decided. They had a whole board, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you had to put a deposit for the title too. Twenty-five grand. And you get that deposit. Yeah, and if you get you get that back when you lose the title. But the funny part was the board a... of directors. The board of directors right. included Vern Gagne and Vince McMahon Senior. That's it. Yeah. You're right. I got a question, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, Chad, sure. I've, I've asked this. I've asked this to Stro and uh, Bob Evans 
does yearly match count still matter? Matters I know, I know it was a thing that I know we're back in years past. There was a lot more work. Does does uh, yearly match count matter still? It matters to me because I'm a purist. Now it may not matter to the mainstream. Okay, to the mainstream it might matter. High profile matches. Matches that were, you know, Dave Meltzer five stars and above, which I don't really care about because it's just one man's opinion. Um, that might be what the mainstream looks at nowadays. However, me being, a, and I'm going to die a purist, me being a purist that still does not want to give up kayfabe, that still wants to treat our great sport that we all love as a sport, even though we all know it's predetermined, I still want to treat it as a sport. I still want to suspend my disbelief that uh, the championship is won and lost in the ring. So to me, a yearly count of defenses means something to me. It may not mean something to anybody else. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I'm in the the minority, but I don't think I'm alone in saying that, you know, old old school, old-time fans are going to look at who you wrestled, who you defeated, as as a big deal, that's just me. That no, that makes sense. I, I was just speaking in general terms, but defenses should general be. General terms, uh, it probably doesn't mean. It pro- general terms, it probably doesn't mean much anymore. But then again, you know, as Bobby Heenan said, we've showed them how the magic tricks work. Okay, you know, we, now you don't you don't hear when when I was. I'll go back to '85, the height of the '80s, when I was 17 years old. My friends and I, we were fans. We weren't asking each other. Uh, we a, Number one, we didn't know Vince McMahon owned the WWF. Okay? We still thought Vince Sr. owned it. And Vince was a ring announcer. Vince Tony, didn't really make it well known Tony. until the 90s. <laughs> or Jack Tony. Jack Tony. <laughs> Wally Carbo. Right. <laughs> you know, you had Jack Tony. You had Stanley Blackburn. I don't know what the hell Stanley ever did, but he was there. <laughs> yeah. And you had, you know... And then you had, um, you know, for you had Jim Crockett. Jim Crockett made it well known he was a promoter. Okay, great. But I mean, yes. if we go back then. We weren't asking ourselves, oh, I wonder who they're going to give the title to, or I wonder who they're going to put the belt on, or the worst one yet, because they want to try to make themselves sound like insiders and they just sound stupid. I wonder who they're going to strap. I'm going to strap you to the back. You keep talking like that. We talked about. <laughs> Who do you think is going to beat Ric Flair for this title? Do you think Dusty Rhodes has it? Do you think Ricky Steamboat has it? Oh my God, Hogan's got to face big. He's got to face. Uh, he's got to face King Kong Bundy in a cage. He's got bad ribs. You think he's going to make it? That's what we talked about. You know what, Ricky Martel and Stan Hansen. You think Martel's going to hold them off? Ah, uh, Hansen's going to run through them. That's. That's the stuff we talked about back then. You know, we didn't purport to be insiders. We were happy not to be insiders. And, of course, the promoters Mm -hmm. and the companies were happy that we weren't insiders because, you know what, you didn't have to worry about any type of nonsense. There was no social media. There was no real contact with the wrestlers. You might have stalked the hotel, maybe. You might have gotten, you know, run into one of them at at a bar or a restaurant, possibly. But... You weren't doing meet and greets. They didn't have meet and greets in the 80s. And they sure as hell didn't have Twitter or Facebook where you can actually talk no. to these people. You Thank it. God. It's a different world. Can you, can you imagine? 
that'd be scary. <laughs> it was a different world. It was a, it was just a whole different world. I mean, you know. Yes. Was it better? I don't know. Good, bad, or otherwise, it was what it was. But I got to tell right. you, Interesting the you wrestling fan, and I'm going to be quiet after this. But the wrestling fan part of me, I love the '80s because you know what? You the fan was allowed to be a fan. You know, I was a critical fan. I used to like to watch the moves and and see you know the impact of everything and see what made sense and what didn't make sense. So there's always been a little bit of a worker in me, but. As far as being a fan, and I'm still like this to this day. I mean, I watched, I watched the um, uh, the pay per view last week from Saudi Arabia, and, and I wasn't thinking mm. like, oh, uh, who are they going to let win, or who's going to, who's got the nod from the back to be the uh, the Rumble champion. I, I didn't, we didn't think that way, you know. I watched the show for what it is, and then that's it. It's over. You know, you can complain oh. and grumble all you want. Are you going to change Vince McMahon's mind? No. Are you going to still buy the next pay-per-view? Probably. Are you still going to buy a ton of merch? Yeah. You're still going to watch Monday Night Raw? Sure. So what does he care what you think? And that was a lively crowd, too. Yeah. In Saudi Arabia. The Saudis were alive for this one. That's because they're all oh, yeah. Ronda Rousey. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> Ronda, and a, Ronda and a gi. Oh, they were all hot for her. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I was... I was... I wasn't you know, in the Muslim countries. Brother, I said that she should have been wearing MMA gear from her debut. Okay? She should have. For her yeah. coming from that's, that's for her coming from the UFC to wrestling. You know, Lesnar went from collegiate wrestling to pro wrestling to UFC. Okay. But with right. Ronda coming straight from the Olympics, judo to the UFC. She should have been mm-hmm. either in judo gear or she should have been in MMA gear like Riddle the whole way through. Right. And uh, I got a I got Absolutely. another question. Uh, you you said there was no meet and greets in the eighties. Did that start in the nineties? That started actually in the early two thousands. Um, my buddy Dave Hero up in Wisconsin owned at before he became a promoter, he owned a comic book store, um, called Heroes uh, Comic Books and Sports Memorabilia, called Heroes Sports Corner, and he would have meet and greets. And it started in early part of the 2000s. Prior to that, you just didn't get meet and greets. I mean, what are you going to do, walk up to Mad Dog Vashanga, can I have your autograph? the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, I think the... Um, I mean, yeah. really, you're going to walk up, you're going you're gonna to be at the Minneapolis-St. Uh, Paul Arena, or you're going to be at the International Amphitheater, which was in the worst part of town in Chicago, and you're going to hang out by the dressing room and go, Mr. Mad Dog, can I get your autograph? Yeah, okay. Let me know how that turns yeah, out for you. That's what uh, <laughs> I saw uh, an old CAC interview with Dr. Jerry Graham, and the interview made a point to point out that Jerry Graham would be like the first heel wrestler to to talk to all He was you know who was the most accessible (laughs) heel wrestler back in the seventies? Superstar Billy Graham was the most accessible heel wrestler in the seventies. Superstar loved the people. And you know what strangely enough, as much as they wanted to as much as they wanted to present him as a heel, Superstar Billy Graham was the second biggest draw that the WWF ever had. Bruno was the first. 
Superstar Billy Graham mm-hmm. sold out the Garden more times than anybody other than Bruno and the Rolling Stones. Oh, man. Amazing Backlund, time. great wrestler. Terrible showman. Mm-hmm. But, again, we didn't think about it as, uh, are uh, are they going to make Bob Backlund the champion? We thought about it as, ooh, Bob Backlund beat superstar Billy Graham. And then, of course, us heel mm-hmm. fans are going, wait a minute, superstar's foot was on the ropes. He got robbed. You know, nowadays, you look it. at that, and it sounds ridiculous, right? Yeah. And nowadays, you look at right. it, and it sounds ridiculous because we're all pocket bookers. We're all looking at it from the booking standpoint. Because we've been educated too much as to how wrestling works, how the business works. I, I, I got, right. I got to tell you a story. You were on this topic of uh, autographs, right? I, I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm having dinner with uh, Gene Oakland and Bobby Heenan, right? And a, a fan comes over and wants Bobby's autograph. <laughs> Bobby just looks at him and he says, did you just get an autograph from Hulk Hogan? And, uh, and, and he says, yeah. He says, well, forget it. I don't shake hands or sign autographs of people I don't know. You have to get lost, beat it, kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, then, and then Gene snatches his wrist like the kid was trying to take his rock and says, hey, my watch. <laughs> and I'm dying. Kathy will appreciate this, but um, yeah. Gene Oakland's first words to me when he first met me, was at Blizzard Brawl, and Gene was doing backstage interviews, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. And he looks at me oh, and he I goes, uh, so, Chaz, what do you do here at the show? <laughs> I said, I'm a manager slash agent. He goes, oh, hold on a second. And he starts reaching around. I said, what are you looking for? My wallet. I'm like, I'm not Heenan. <laughs> oh, man. But I'd been fortunate. I was interviewed by Gene Oakland, and I didn't call him Mean Gene. I refused. I mm-hmm. called him Mr. Oakland the whole time. And mm-hmm. even in the promo, I called him Mr. Oakland. And I got announced by Howard Finkel. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, oh, I went out to the best. managing managing my tag team against Demolition in front of 4,000 mm-hmm. people with Howard Finkel ring announcing. Right. For an indie guy, I should have quit right then and there. I should have retired right then and there. But I stuck around. Oh, that's that's one for the bucket list right there, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. really is. Pretty awesome. But you oh, know, stuff. Yeah. again, it, it, I don't. We can't. At least I don't want to say. Uh, oh, this era was better than that era. I think it was, for me, the fan part of me. It was better that I didn't know everything. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's good that way because you know, people out there, they still want to be entertained. You know what I mean? You know, they don't want to. They don't want the total TMZ report about certain, you know, certain individuals. You know, they just want to be entertained and 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 enjoy something. You know what I mean? Just like enjoying I mean, watching a movie. You know what I'm saying? Agreed. I mean, look at you had two forms in back in the '70s and '80s. You had two forms of combat sports that were popular in America that could be gone to be seen live. You had boxing, which mm-hmm. was way expensive, so the average fan could not, would not afford tickets to a boxing match. Then you had wrestling, right. which wasn't that expensive. So, mm-hmm. you can't afford to go see 
Ali or Larry Holmes or Frazier or Sugar Ray fight. But you can pay 15, 20 bucks and sit fourth row ringside and see Andre, Hogan, Orndorff, Piper, Flair, Nikita Koloff. You know, you can oh, yeah. Magnum TA. You can see those guys. It was 20 bucks a lot of money back in 84, 85. Yeah, it was a lot of money. But you didn't do it all the time. You might have gone once a month, once every three months, you know, when you mm-hmm. could afford it. But it was it was memorable. You went in there, and it was an arena, and it was um, it was set up to where merchandise was sold by the company through vendor tables, and you had programs, and you had uh, you know the the card in the card insert inside the program that showed you the the match rundown with you know cards subject to change. Which meant, okay, who's going to be missing tonight? You never, they didn't tell you though, until right. the match went out there. All right, you know, and you got in. What you got in about a half hour before the show started. They never called it a show. You got in a half hour before the <laughs> before the card started, and you were hustled out of there within twenty minutes after the card ending. Oh yeah. And what did you go? What did you go home with? You went home with memories. You didn't go home with autographs. You didn't go home with. I'm going to meet this guy, or I'm going to tell that guy what I think of him. You went home with memories until you were able to go back to that. Or like, like an impact taping where you, you get extra free uh, hot fries. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. That's, a friend of mine, that's what happened. They were giving away free merch at one time, at, at an impact taping one time. Free hot fries. I mean, here, even, the, you know, even, the, <laughs> even the indies are even the indies are too accessible. I mean, I'm still a purist. Again, I don't believe in going out during intermission because pretty much nobody likes me, and they're not going to buy anything from me. I mean, I've known that after 12 in my 12th year of work in professional wrestling. Nobody likes to heal, really. They don't. They like me, but they don't like me, and they sure as hell don't like me enough to buy any of my merchandise. I don't even bring merchandise anymore. <laughs> if there is an intermission, I stay in the back. When that's you know yeah, that's but, back when the heels were, he, were truly heels. You know what I mean? Um, you know there, yeah, there was no I, fans with the, the, the heels. You know what yeah. I mean? Because I mean that's, that's that's the way it used to be. You know what I mean? The, the well, baby what I, I preach to the kids. The what I preach to the kids is this. You know, there was a show, and I wasn't working the show. I was just there to, to take in the show. And these right. two kids had a had a hardcore match, and I mean they beat the hell out of each other. Show's over. Now, this was Resistance Pro, okay? So Resistance had their meet and greets and their merch sales after the show was over. And these two guys mm-hmm. took up table space next to each other. What type of sense did that make? <laughs> they just beat each other unmercifully from pillar to post, both drew blood a half hour before they're side by side at the merchandise table. Why? Hmm. And I mean, being a smart ass, I said, oh, you guys like each other again? Oh, bro. Oh, bro, what? I said, a half hour ago, you were beating the hell out of each other. Now you're buddies. Yeah. Was this in the same building? Same building? <clears throat> was it the same? It was, they had six merchandise tables set up, one next to another. You would think one of these guys oh, would be God. smart enough to go stand a couple of tables down. No. Oh they my stood God. right no, next they... to each other. 
Unreal. Oh, come on, bro. You you know you know better than that. No, I do, but the fans don't. Why would you? Oh, why don't you just get to sit there with a you know? Why don't you just do your best Lanny Papa limitation and get in the ring and recite everything that's going to happen in your match, including who's going to win, and call it a day. Can you imagine? That's what you're doing. If they would have pulled, if they would have pulled that back in the day, that what would happen? The ramifications. Fired. What would happen? If they, oh yeah, they'd be done. Fired. But I mean, again, hmm. back in the day, and sure, you. I don't know what happened. You can. You'll be able to tell us this. At Smoky Mountain, I know Jimmy had um, had that old school mentality. I mean, did he have? I know he didn't have heels and babies at the same tables, but did he have? Merchandise tables or meet and greets or that kind of thing. Well, at, at certain events, you know, like the bigger events, like the bluegrass brawl or or, or okay. some big smoky event. But like far as the tapings go, I mean, it, it was yeah. And when you were when, when you were you know baby face uh, Robbie Eagles, you weren't standing next to your opponent selling merch. Oh hell no. <laughs> okay, that's what I'm saying. No way. These two kids, yeah. because there was because there was no, I hate to say it like this, there was no adult supervision from the promoters because right. Corgan was off in Never Neverland. Okay. Right. Because there was no supervision or setup of where you should be. This don't get me wrong. God bless. Sell your merch. Make your money. Okay. Interact right. with fans if you want and, and do what you want to do. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if you're going to be if you're going to have the baby face and the heel that were just involved in a match and a hardcore match on top of it, standing exactly next to each other, all smiles, less than 20 minutes after they were in the ring, that insults everybody. It does. I mean, you might as well just, I mean, you're shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, you're ruining your own business. <laughs> you know what I'm and Steve, you know what I, you know what I love about New Japan, Steve? What I love is their mm-hmm. post-match interviews. You know they have the, they have the uh, like the press conference type interviews that are in front yeah. of the uh, in front of the the uh, sponsor um, screen. I love it because you never notice you never see the two opponents in the same screen again. They interview the one, they hustle them out amongst all the quote unquote bodyguards, and then they bring in the second one. Love it. Absolutely love it. Cause it's yeah, it's one of my favorite, one of my favorite post-match interviews is the one Tommy Tonga did with Haku, and Haku was working with the Bullet Club, and Tama was like putting over his uh, dad Haku. Mm-hmm. The other one I loved was was back in '93, when Hogan, when W when uh, WWE allowed Hogan to go work Muda. And Hogan gets there and he does his post-match interview and he basically, you didn't see him in the same area with Muda. And Hogan just basically said, hey, I love it out here. They allow me to wrestle. Yeah. I like They're not telling me what I can one. and can't do. And there was Hogan dripping in sweat because him and Muda went, what, 25, 30 minutes? And again, the, the, fan, the fan part of me, honestly, I didn't know who was going to win. I didn't know if Muda's speed was going to overcome Hogan's um, strength. And that's the fun part. Right. Yeah, I was yeah, surprised pretty story. by how he put... Uh-huh, go ahead. I was I was surprised by how he put the uh, IWGP heavyweight title. He 
was putting it over more than the WWF title, called it the WWF title trinket. Well, I mean, couple couple of reasons. I think unexpected. he was getting ready to jump to WCW. That was one reason. Sure. Yeah. You know, the, the second reason was, and again, people are going to tell me I'm nuts. They're going to call me an old bitter fool, whatever. When you present a world championship or a regional championship as a trophy for winning that championship match, you put over the sport aspect of our quote-unquote sport. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, why do we even have belts? Honestly, right. you know, there's there's a lot of guys crapping on the on the young bucks, but I don't blame the young bucks. Okay, the young bucks do what they do, and their fan base loves it. Now, the young bucks never need a tag team title because they're not wrestling. They're doing organized acrobatics. They're opposed by a larger doing organized acrobatics. Yeah. Speaking of tag so team wrestling, I was going to tell you the story. I was going to tell you the story. All right. So I, I'm in a tag match up in Nashville, right? And mm-hmm. uh, this is back to my gorgeous shorts of third days, right? And uh, you know we're well, all it. going out in the outside, and I got I got knocked delirious. Uh, I forget what the hell happened, but I I, I stumbled into the babyface locker room, right? And they all just looked at me, right? And I'm like, oh, hell, just just kick my ass out of here, right? So all the baby faces <laughs> ganged up on me, <laughs> threw me out the door, <laughs> and I went back to, to commencing the match. And, oh, my God. But, uh, I love it. Yeah. Because, because, you know, that was, Buddy you know, Roberts, had, God rest you know, his soul. Back, yeah, that was back when they had extreme kayfabe, you know what I mean? Because yeah. our locker room was yeah. way across, you know what I mean? So. Girl, Buddy Roberts, God rest his soul, lived in Chicago for the latter part of his life. In fact, um, right. his son worked as Buddy Roberts Jr. Great kid. I worked with him mm-hmm. for about five yeah. years. You know, we started about nine years ago working together. Worked with him for about five years. Great, great kid. Very respectful. Yeah. Very much a, a student of the of the game. You know. And he had said, you know, we all know that we have all heard the story about Bill Watts saying, if you're going to get in a bar fight, you better win. But what yeah. Buddy said was, what Buddy what Buddy Senior told us before he passed on, that Bill Watt, Bill Watts' second rule was, if you make it look non-legitimate. Now he never said fake, he never said light, he never said soft. He said if you make what we do look non-legitimate, the next day before we break down the ring, you're going to have to come here and show me that it is legitimate. And Bill wasn't kidding. Mm-hmm. Bill Watts was ready to educate people. <laughs> you know, same thing with Stuart. And that's the way they would. Yeah, that's how, you know, And back then, that's how they would determine who would be a champion of a territory because it didn't mm-hmm. matter how big or small are you. You, you got to have that look and the demeanor like you kick someone's ass. You had to be legit tough. I mean, and or look tough. You know what I'm saying? But you look at what made Nick Bockwinkle so great. Nick was mm-hmm. not a tall man, but he was a well-built man. No. Right. He was not the, the screaming, growling, gravelly-voiced Dick the Bruiser or, or Mad Dog Vashon. He was very calculating and articulate and educated. But then when you saw Nick work, he going out like it was nothing. 
Oh, he yeah. wrestled so many different styles and made them all look good. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what made Nick Bachman a great champion. And, you know, everybody's going to say, oh, Chaz, you don't like yep. the modern the modern sport. I love the modern sport when it's presented right. I oh, love right. MJF. Yeah. That kid is the greatest thing since sliced bread right now. That promo the, the other absolute, night was like gold. My God. The abs- the best he is he the did. absolute best wrestler now, I'm not going to say, oh, you, you mean he's the best grappler? No, he's the best professional wrestler working today. And why? Because he does professional wrestling the way it's supposed to be done. You'll never know that he's really not an a-hole. He doesn't look like he should win his matches. Yet he does. And yet, in his promos and in his interactions with the fans, you know that he doesn't like you. Or at least that's your perception. Yeah. Um, I heard Eric Bischoff say that MGF is a better villain than Reigns because Reigns is the cool villain. And MGF is more unlikable. Steve, here's my take on Reigns. Vince McMahon has been pushing Reigns down our throat since the days of the Shield. Mm-hmm. We finally swallowed He has been pushing Roman Reigns down people's throats for years. People have finally said, okay, enough. We'll take it. Just and like yeah, you know, the horseman. Tully was the true heel of the horseman. Because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, people people dig flair. And, uh, you know, and Arn was the same way. You know, he was a heel, but people halfway digged him because of his intelligent promos. He had he had to that Bachwinkle demeanor because he gives real intelligent promos, right? And mm-hmm. and all that. But 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 no one could stand Tully. <laughs> Tully was the truest deal of them all. Aaron, look at look at the Freebirds. Michael Hayes was the cool right. one. Terry yes. was the good old boy badass that you just liked because he was a good old boy badass. Right. The best worker of the bunch. The best seller of the bunch, you hated because he didn't have that personality. He wasn't the big tough guy. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the flamboyant guy. Buddy Roberts got right. zero respect. But Buddy Jack when they had, and, I, yeah. <laughs> and I, I hearken back to I hearken back to the Superclass 1 show in 85 at Comiskey Park, uh, Mil Mascaras had a bad reputation for not selling and for not making his opponents look like they should. But who does Vern Gagne and, and, and Crockett <laughs> And who does Vern Gagne yeah. and Crockett make sure that they call upon to wrestle Mil Mascaras and keep him in check? Buddy Roberts. Hmm. Well, that that's the. But right now, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like what Punk's doing in AEW. I think he's got a lot more create, uh, creative freedom to be Punk than he had did in previous years. His little feud now with MJF is is off the charts. But MGF oh, is amazing. the second coming of Nick Bockwinkle. I, I got a yeah. question for you. Mm. Um, what do you think about Cody right now? Do you think him leaving AEW is legit? And do you think it's a smart move? Go ahead, Stro. Oh, Co- well, Cody. Well, uh, money talks, yeah. man. And You know, and... Uh, and honestly, I, I, there's different factors 
that has to go into whether this is all legit or not. And honestly, you know, this is this could be turn up be the biggest work ever the AW has pulled off with him. <laughs> you know, and then again, you know, there was there was legit interest in WWE to bring him back, obviously, because you know, you know, of his history there. But uh, well, let's think about it for uh, a second. I, I, Nick I, Khan. I, I don't. Yeah. Let's let's think about it for a second. You got Nick Khan, Tony Khan, mm-hmm. Shane McMahon, who still has TV, cable, and tele-streaming rights all over the world, including China. Vince McMahon, who didn't let you know that he bought WCW until it was the very last minute. Don't know. Could it be a work? I still think it's a work. I still think it's, it's professional a work. wrestling. Unless proven otherwise, I still think it's the biggest, a huge work. And Cody will be back sooner or later, and you know, you know here. All is normal. They, they say that they say that Vince McMahon <laughs> gave gave. Um, they say that Vince McMahon gave up this spot um, to Mrs. Aldis because of the way she was treated on her way out. If that's the case, great. That's a classy thing to do. Okay? Oh, yeah. But announcing her as the Impact Champion, Impact Ladies Champion, what gain is it for Vince to, to put Impact over? Unless he doesn't have an interest in Impact financially that he's not telling you about. Why is it that every released talent is suddenly going to AEW and getting put over strong unless there's, again, a monetary interest in it? You don't know. Everybody's upset with Vince about the Saudis uh, buying shows. Where's that money going? Is it all going back to the shareholders? And, and and look at look at some of the talent that have arrived in AEW that are lost in the shuffle. And the it should get Yeah. The orig- I feel bad for the originals. I feel bad for the Bucks because mm-hmm. their time is limited. I feel bad for Peter Avalon and Leva Bates. They're never on T V anymore. Yeah. Right. I don't feel the slightest bit bad for Nyla Rose because um he was a fraud. I was being nice. I didn't say anything bad. It's the truth, though. But you don't see Nyla Rose on TV that much anymore. You know the originals are going to get lost. Are getting lost in the shuffle, and then you'll start seeing releases. You'll start seeing you know a lot of the originals that were there. They got. They have a problem like WWE. They got too many people. Way too many people now. You know, you you were at the promotion that wasted talent the most, bro. Come on, how many how many guys got wasted at WCW? Contracted and sat home for two years. Oh, we had we had more. Than the Honky Talk Man anybody. comes to mind. We the had Honky Talk Man made a anybody. joke about it one time and said that he oh, didn't have to work for two years. Honky Talk Man, Jesus, there's like thousands of people on contract not doing a damn thing, sitting at home. Right, but Honky Talk was the only one who didn't complain I mean, about it. He says, "I don't care, they're paying me." Yeah, he was at the tail end I mean, of his what, career. What else can you? What else? What else can you do? <laughs> really? What else can you do? I, I, I sat, I know I, I sat at home for quite a bit, you know, and it was driving me crazy because, you know, I just, I wanted to stay active, you know, so I just, Well, you were young enough. You were, you were a young, you were still a young man yet. You know, you hadn't been well, in before. Well, um, I, thank, thank you. I, I was almost What I'm 30, saying is so that you still, you, <laughs> at least as far as what I, what I saw of you, 
as <laughs> yeah. Gorgeous George the Third, you still had a lot right. more to show than guys that were in the WWE ten to fifteen years earlier than you. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I, I went from you going full time to lot more fire and than they did. and everything. I went for full time right. with the Indies overseas, different and different places, and then and I signed and I did a couple of tapings and I I sat at home for a bit and and, and it turned out uh, I got a Dar Darso and he was doing the same thing. He was sitting at home getting paid and yeah. quite a few others. So yeah. like you know, hotel. Barry and Bill probably were Distance. both sitting home getting doing nothing. Right. But you know, it, and like you said, what did Absolutely. they do for the company? They watered down their product to the point where they could not financially sustain themselves because they didn't give the fans a reason to care. Well, that's what, uh, that's what's burning me out too. Cause they did that. We did that to Alistair Black. He was one of my favorite characters. And then they repackage him and then they release him. It's like, why should I invest at all in this show? They're just going to waste my favorite characters and then release them. Here, uh, you know, we've had him on the show before. One of the guys that I manage currently, Joey the Pitbull Chichi. Tony D'Angelo is his nephew. Legit. How long do you think that kid actually has? Okay, he's good at what he does. He's still greener than goose shit. He's good at what he does. He's not going to crack the main roster anytime soon. So how long before they get tired of the Fugazi, uh, you know, hey, yo, how you doing? And they release him. And what's going to happen? He'll go to AEW. He'll get his 15 minutes of fame there. And they'll release him. And he'll go right back to the Indies where he came from. Because that's how this mm-hmm. game cycles. And see, that's the thing. That's why we... That's the thing. You know, and that's what we keep getting on Keith Lee, And they got Cesaro's out there and a few other... And, and you're thinking, you know, you want to go them to go to a, a new place like an AEW. You know, but at the same time, you're going, my God. You know, you don't want to see them and then... Then you don't see him for like months on te- television. Look at Jay Lethal, my God! Look, I mean, my- Jay Lethal's phenomenal, but Jay Lethal's still in shape. Let's 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 yeah, call but, it like but, it is, but, Stroke. But they're not. They're hardly getting on freaking TV. I mean, he's barely getting. No, I know what I'm saying. Though. Keith Keith Lee Lever. gets released, right? He's got months off. Yeah. He goes from being big to being a tub of goo. He gets signed by AEW and goes there looking like he ain't missed a meal in 12 years. Instead of going there in rock solid shape, Danielson went there in shape. Look what happened. Injured to no end. Brittle as hell. He'll never make it. Brian Danielson is Brian Danielson. CM Punk is still in phenomenal shape for his age. Keith Lee, who should have been making a gigantic impact, didn't do a damn thing to get himself match ready before going to AEW. What the hell? What the hell is going on with Jay Lethal? My God, former ROH champion, uh, M- Impact. I mean, this guy should be rocking it with the best of them right now. AEW. And again, where where Jay should be where Jay should be working. And yes, Steve, you made me into a convert. Jay Lethal should be in Japan, where they appreciate him. And see, yeah, Jay Lethal should be Jay Lethal should be in Mexico where they appreciate him. Bringing people to AEW for the hell of it, you know, for that cheap pop of oh look, look who's coming to the forbidden door, and yet they don't do a damn thing with them. I mean, that's just it's a shame, man, because I mean these some of these guys can really do a lot more than they're they're allowed to do. 
brother, look who the Booker is. I'm gonna we're gonna break down the fourth wall in the curtain. Okay, look who oh, the Booker is. Yeah. He is the <laughs> spoiled brat child of a rich Arab who owns Fulham FC and the Jacksonville Jaguars. He has not, was not, never will be a wrestling mind. Yet he's the sole Booker for AEW. God bless. Let's they go to the NWA. They, you they got, got great a, you, there, but you don't have a guy putting the stories together. You don't have an Ole Anderson that knew how to book. You don't have a Dusty Rhodes that knew how to book. You don't have a Vince McMahon Sr. or Jr. that know how to put together a compelling storyline. Granted, they use the same I, formula all the way through, but you still bought into it. You're not buying into this because, like you said, it's a cheap pop to make a uh, to make a ratings point. One time. Okay, you, you tuned in to see the big reveal. It turned out to be a grossly out of shape Keith Lee. Did you watch again next I, I week? I gotta ask. I, I gotta ask. Do you think that's why Cody left? Because that's one of the rumors out there is that Cody got his booking power or his uh, booking say his booking uh, creative taken away. Cody was booking good shows. I'm- I'm sure okay, let's a lot let's be honest. All in and all out. And I'm not saying them because they were they were Chicago shows, okay? But all in, before AEW was ever an idea, and the Bucks and Cody put up what? What they put up? Ten grand a piece to buy the building, book the talent, and make the show, and they made their money back five times. Okay, Cody booked that show. That show was great. That was the one time. I actually enjoyed watching Nick Aldis work because the match he had with Cody was five stars. The Bucks were five stars because they weren't made into a caricature of themselves. But now you, you look at what's out there. And I'm not going to say it like this because it's just me saying it. But Jesus Christ, you mean to tell me that Jade Cargill or Cargill is the best woman you've got on TBS? She's been in less than a year, has no clue what she's doing in the ring, terrible promo, and whines on social media, especially Twitter. That is your the best woman wrestler you got? I'm sorry. Well, um, there's 12 I can name off the top of my head. She's technically the secondary champion, but I think Thunder Rosa matter. She should have a, She better. shouldn't have a belt on her. She shouldn't have a cardboard belt on her, let alone any type of championship. Okay? And that's just my opinion. Medusa Michelli worked in the AWA for five years as both a manager and a wrestler before she ever got a shot at that title. And you know why she got a shot at Kenny Devine? Because Sherry Martel left. And she was better trained than Jade would ever be. God rest her soul, by the way, Kenny Devine, man. Yeah, absolutely. Same sometimes. thing with Sherry. Same thing. I mean, Jay got on social media. I'm better than China. Nonsense. Are you nuts? <laughs> you couldn't carry China's bags. But you can't talk about her because what do they do? They go and cry in the manner that our society has become. And I'm not going to dignify it. 
instead of just dealing with the fact that, hmm, you're not very good. And again, you know, here, when this podcast comes out, you know what the, what the, what the indie workers will be saying? Oh, who's Chaz to be talking? What's he ever done? He's only been a manager on the indies. Well, I got news for you guys. I have gone about <laughs> as far as you can go in 11 years without ever being signed. Chaz Moretti, like him or not, is known worldwide. That's a fact. You know, it, it's just like there's so many great pieces of talent out there they can do so much with, and it's so frustrating to watch what's happening at times because you know you want you want to see these guys and gals flourish, and yet you see, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you see them do like really wonderful things, and other times you're going scratching and go, why? You know what I mean? Just why? yes, sir. Yes, sir. Peter Avalon comes from. He's he's one of the ones that I like. That's very very underrated. They didn't do nothing with him. Mm-hmm. He, um, he stuck him in. They even trained. Uh, they stuck him in that. Like, yeah, they stuck him. Right, and they stuck him in that librarian gimmick with Leva, and they ruined Leva, the librarian. Are you joking me? Yeah, that's about as bad. It's I about mean, as bad as Carrie Von Eric being purported as the. It's about as bad as Carrie Von Eric not being called Carrie Von Eric, but you have to know him as the Texas Tornado. Just stop. Remember they made me. Yeah, remember they made me a gamer. He didn't hit him a gamer. Yeah. <laughs> I think oh my Leva, I think Leva should have been a, a bigger deal too. I think she's a natural white meat baby face. Mm-hmm. And she can work. Mm-hmm. Best thing they ever, best thing they ever did was make the professor the professor. It suits her mm-hmm. as a heel. Right. But that was a good move. Look right. at Look, but, you know, look was, at her was, now. And again, we had so many wrestlers back in the 80s. You're going to just go back and forth between the 80s and now. You had so many wrestlers in the 80s that were that were carpenters or, or, or enhancement talent or that dirty word that I never want to use that starts with a J and ends with an S. Okay, but you, they had exposure for what they were doing. You knew who they were. You didn't think much of them, but you knew who they were. But there were only a handful that got wasted. Gino Hernandez, God rest his soul. I know he had demons, but he got wasted. Art Bar, mm. before he went to, before Art Bar went to Mexico and became the American Love Machine, was wasted. Right. Chris Adams, oh, yeah. wasted. But mm-hmm. there's only maybe five guys out of what? At the time, maybe there were there were 150 guys worldwide actually working on television, and we can only name five look guys at, that look at Jesse that, Bar. that were wasted. Look how good he was at you one know? time. Jesse Barr, remember him? Yeah. Jesse Barr? Yeah. Jesse Barr went I, to the E, became I, Jimmy Jack Funk, and downhill from there. Yeah. You know, but the territories at least, and having territory TV, while it was not the greatest production quality, it was not, you know, all the lights and, 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 uh, and shiny things and bang, bang, bang pyro that we have now, it was still a week in and week out exposure of that talent. And they went from the TV tapings to the arenas in the territory. And then once a month or once every two or three months, the world champion would come by to make the best of them look like a million dollars. Why? So you can watch again next week. You know, mm-hmm. And we, we could name five, ten guys that got wasted across the country, across the world. Okay, One of the guys that got wasted, in my opinion, 
was Jumbo Sharuda. Jumbo Sharuda uh, totally. was a wasted talent. He was so good. It, it was, he was oh, better than yes, Tenyaru. I, I don't care. Titles won, titles not won. Jumbo was better than Tenyaru. Jumbo literally yeah, scared Inoki. Okay, Jumbo was great. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> Jumbo's greatest match was a match he didn't win. Jumbo's greatest match mm. was an NWA title shot against Kerry Von Erich. He was the last title shot mm-hmm. before Ric Flair took the title back. And he mm-hmm. made it look believable. He All he did was work Kerry Von Erich's claw hand. He went under, but he worked Kerry's claw hand. So Kerry goes into the yeah. match with Flair and he can't claw. He can't use the claw hold. No. Uh, 18, 19-year-old me, 18, 19-year-old me looks at that and goes, oh, Jesus, Kerry's handicapped now. He can't use the claw. Kerry could have used the right. claw anytime he wanted to. But it made sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, Jumbo made Masala even a bigger star. Like, that was Masala's first big break was Jumbo. Yeah. The, the Japanese, the Japanese have had it over on the American promotions since Baba started running All Japan. And the reason why is because they didn't do what we did in the States. In the States, at one time, a masked wrestler was so mysterious, so unique, always a top hand in the territory until their their ultimate defeat, until the blow-off, okay? In Japan... They did the same thing with the Americans, with the Gaijin. Okay, they paired up. They made pairings that you never saw in the States, never would see. Stan Hansen and, and, uh, and Steve Williams. Stan Hansen and Terry Gordy. Steve Williams and Terry Gordy. Mm-hmm. You never saw that in the States. Why? No. Why? It would have got over. People would have loved it. But you didn't see that there. But you'd match up, you know, you... Here, they wanted to give Chono a big break, right? Who do they pick to give Chono the rub? Lou Fez at 71 years old. Oh, that was his trainer. Yeah. yeah. But they could have picked anybody in the world, any Japanese wrestler. They could have put him in with Inoki. But they didn't. Mm-hmm. They put him in with Lou Fez, who was 71, and he only can go eight minutes. But, damn it, that was a great eight minutes to watch. Mm-hmm. I thought they could have done more with Chono and Muda when they were teaming together in WCW, honestly. I agree. I thought that was a hell of a thing. God bless Gary Hart. Gary Hart came up with the backstory for Muda. The whole story about, mm-hmm. Muda, being, about Muda being Kabuki's nephew, which was only done here, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. It wasn't done out in Japan. But didn't it tie mm-hmm. everything together? Kabuki's long gone, Absolutely. right? Halfway to retirement. Who's this young kid with the face paint from Japan? That's phenomenal. Oh, that's Kabuki's nephew. And you bought it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kabuki and Muda are about as related as we are. But you bought it. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because it made sense. It told a better story. Right. I mean, honestly, when when um, when they brought Andre and 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 Bill and Blackjack Mulligan over as the machines, unless you were really stupid, you didn't you would know it was Andre and the mass superstar. You didn't know him as Bill Eady. 
You knew it was Andre. Mm-hmm. You knew it was the mass superstar. And they didn't let Mulligan talk because the one time they did and he said, uh, gall dang it. Yeah, there's no Japanese mass wrestler saying gall dang it there, uh, Bobby Jack. Just be quiet. <laughs> okay? But first interview with Okerlund, which was done in a Japanese tea garden in Los Angeles, uh, the first interview with Okerlund, the first thing out of Billy's mouth, because us tape traders and magazine buyers knew that they worked in Japan and their manager was Wakamatsu. What is the first thing that Edie says? He goes, our stable master, Wakamatsu-san, sent us over. Great. Ties the story together. Mm-hmm. Believable. i got to ask you, uh, do you think Gary Hart, what do you what do you think Gary Hart would think about uh, Malachi Black using the black mist? Because he hasn't been perfect with hitting it, but I'm really, as a fan, I'm really glad to see it still used. Gary Hart would have loved anything that Gary Hart would have loved anything that maintained the mystery of professional wrestling. I mean, I'm surprised no reporter ever asked the one-man gang what was his address on Halstead Street. Did he live on the Comiskey Park side or the UIC side of Halstead Street? Nobody ever asked that question, (laughs) but I would have loved to have seen his answer because he ain't never saw Halstead Street. (laughs) I drive Halstead every day. You go from rags to riches. Okay? You go north where UIC is, and it's... One demographic, you go south to 35th Street where Comiskey, where the guaranteed rate field is now, and it's a whole different demographic. You go south of 35th Street, and you better have a flak jacket on. That's Halstead Street. But, you know, you said Halstead Street, Chicago, and if you were a teenager that lived in Chicago, you're like, oh, this guy's a badass. Same thing with the Road Warriors. From Chicago. Nope, from St. Paul. What happened? Sounds better that they're from Chicago. Beat people up. I was legit scared of, of Animal until the day I met him at a hockey game in Milwaukee. And he had been long retired. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. told him that. I said, I said, Joe, you used to scare the hell out of me when I was a kid. Why? I said, because I legitimately thought you and Hawk were going to beat the hell out of anybody that got in front of you. And he smiled. But it was the truth. <laughs> you saw the Road Warriors work. You saw them come down the aisle in the 80s in any arena, whether it's indoors, outdoors, and they, they ran and hit the ring and just started beating the crap out of their opponents. And you thought they would do that anywhere. You legitimately thought that right. if you saw them in a dark alley, you were in trouble. See, I miss that. You know, you you got a lot of great teams nowadays, but you, you it'd be really great to have – a team that has that that mentality of the Road Warriors in today's wrestling. Um, I'm whoever that the Briscoes have it. Yeah, the Briscoes have it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that the Briscoes. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of their of their look right now. I I liked them when they were uh, you know six seven years ago when they were more clean cut because I thought they looked like Jack mm-hmm. and Jerry. I thought they looked like the Briscoes. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of the missing teeth and the long ass beard. It does still fit their personas. You know, you believe the Briscoes are legitimate badasses. 
You believe the revival are legitimate badasses. What what's the hold up in bringing in the Briscoes to a big company? I just I mean those guys are just so talented, so good. Well, I know when I when I first when I first met Jay when Jay worked at Battle Royal with us, what was it about seven eight years ago? He was nursing an mm-hmm. injury back then. He's been, he's been a little brittle. He's been injured quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But right now they're firing on all cylinders. They should be brought in. Absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 and then the you got guy. you know. Then you got the LJ. Younger. You got the. <laughs> I mean, here let's let's talk about Mr. Uh, Wrestling uh, Collectible Promoter. Okay, let's talk about the the the, the crashing pumpkin who wants to book his little, wants to play with his little wrestling dolls and call it the NWA. Want to break the fourth wall? You want to act like fanboys? Great. They should put the titles on the Briscoe brothers, the tag titles. Why? Because they're legitimate. That'd be great. Okay. Now, again, you know, the the traditional fan in me says, I wonder if they're going to win the Crockett Cup. That's how I like to. That's how I like to watch the game. I don't want to know. I don't want to surmise. I don't want to book it. I just want to enjoy it. If I'm working, that's a different thing. You know, promoter will ask me some. To... One... Go ahead, Steve. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt your thought, but um, no, no, no. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. EC3 and his group are starting up a promotion. What do you think about controlling your narrative as a promotion and? doing a startup right now, doing a DIY approach. I don't know. What's he doing it for? Is he doing it to put himself over, or is he doing it to legitimately provide an alternative to what's being pushed mainstream? If it's the latter. I think it could be both. <laughs> I think, I mean, it, if, I it's think the, it if it's the latter, great. If he's doing it like every indie promoter does to put himself over because he can't get over anywhere else, um, not so much. I'm just, I'm really a, a fan of Killer Cross. Stray knows that. Yeah. Um, I just, I like how cinematic they are with their vignettes. And I've been. Stro, you shared the ring with Killer Cross, remember? Eight years yeah. ago? Battle yeah. Royal at the CAC? Very yeah, young absolutely. Killer Cross, still working for FSW. Right. We shared the ring with Killer Cross. Kid was kid was great even back then. Oh, and he yeah, great guy. Yeah. Told him what to do in the we you know told him what to do in the royal told him when he was going in when he was going out, and he performed it to a T. Yeah, he did. Cross is Cross is one of the reasons why I don't watch WWE TV that much because it's like he was so great in NXT and then they completely repackaged him in the gla- as the gladiator and then they uh, bro, before he even before party. he even went to NXT, look it up on YouTube. Killer Cross's greatest matches were when he performed at FSW. He was FSW. Right. Yeah. Um, and I like his mentality, like the cinematic vignettes, the yeah. Killer Cross name, how that got started with Shane Douglas and the tape. Like, I think him... Shane I think Douglas helped out a part. lot. Matt Robles helped him out a lot. Because Matt Robles mm-hmm. is probably... Uh, I said it once... I'll say it a thousand times. Matt Robles is the best professional wrestling manager in the country right now. Okay? I'm not. I, I, I'm, I'm, not I'm, really... I'm good. I'm good. I'm up there, but Matt Robles is the best. 
The MK Bandit really is the hoping. best manager going. I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, but I'm really hoping that this control your narrative is a real alternative because it, it seems like it could be. They're, they're uh, reportedly have a TV deal imminent, and I think uh, I think Cross could be a major player anywhere. But it's kind of cool that he's doing something DIY. Well, see, let me ask you a question though. Let, let's let's think. Let's do a, a, an old approach, but now it is a novel approach. Would you be a fan of, or would you watch a professional wrestling broadcast in which the matches were spot matches? By spot, I mean not part of any um, not part of any soap opera-like storyline. They were spot matches leading to a title match. Would you be a fan of that type of product, or are you so conditioned into the storylines that have been? pushed on us for 15 years. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit ignorant. Can you just find a, a spot match, like just with, like a cold here, match? You go, here, here's the deal. You, you, go to a, you go to a professional wrestling event, right? You go to mm-hmm. a card, and there's eight matches on the card. You've got yes. singles matches, tag team matches, and the top of the card has always been a title match, whether it was a regional title, a secondary title, or world, a world title. Okay. There wasn't there there was a little bit of lead up on television, but not a lot. There wasn't this long drawn out, you know, watch the story once, seven months later you go back and you never missed anything. They didn't have it like that. And there was no there was no thought of uh well, who are we going to make champion? You didn't know. All you knew was that on this night the champion was defending against this particular challenger. Would you be a fan of that type of product if it was presented now? I think a story sells more because even USC pushes story, but um, it it depends on who's wrestling. I think because uh, New Japan they still have stories, but it's more sports based, so it just depends okay. on the talent. I would think. Thank you, and that, my friend, is the evolution of professional wrestling. Because from 1925 to 2000 and I take it back from 1925 to 1994, what I described was professional wrestling. And they would draw monster houses. Jim Londis did a $2 million gate in 1931 in the height of the Depression, he sold 70,000 seats at Soldier Field to work Edward Carpentier in a match that had no buildup. Carpentier had been working Montreal and Toronto, built up his name, and got his quote-unquote shot at the title in Chicago. But they were, they were booking as a legitimate sport, like boxing. Okay? But, again... I'm not stupid. Wrestling, like anything else, evolves. So we're now in the stage where you have to present a storyline show to captivate and hold interest. It is what it is. Now I, I still don't make any, I don't make any judgments when I watch that type of, when I watch the, the modern product because in my head I'm still going to believe that um, I don't know who's going to win or lose. Okay, that's just that's my fun. But from 1925 until 1994, professional wrestling was exactly what I described. 
94 onward, when you started to see WCW competing with WWF, then it became more just story after story after story. That is what it is. Well, this has been a very spirited conversation, I must say, and it's been great having you guys on. This has been really awesome tonight. And we've, well, I'm uh, glad to be a part of it, guys. I mean, this we, is we, what, what we, we, we... We've covered a hell of a lot of ground, and uh, at, at, at you, you guys are the best, man. This has been probably one of the best episodes thus far, I, I, I feel. And we've covered a lot of ground, so uh, thank you guys yeah, so Happy much. to be a part um, of it, guys. Right. Thank you. Um, you guys make the show, absolutely. If um, guy, uh, you guys got any plugs you like to share or things you guys got coming up, uh, feel free to jump in, man. Yeah, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, um, I always enjoy WCW Retro as well as pro wrestling interviews on uh, Sundays, uh, getting to talk to guys like Velvet and Sinister and Susan Green. Um, you can find me at Stellar Steven on Twitter. Send your hate tweets. <laughs> Love tweets, whatever. Um, yeah, I definitely enjoyed uh, talking wrestling tonight. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. Oh, thank you. Always a pleasure. Um Brother, I appreciate you having uh, Jack, me on as always. I, I hope no, um, thank you, I hope I brought something worthwhile to the conversation. I know at times I, I tend to oh, uh, yeah. speak a little too much, but I'm passionate about no, our great sport. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. I'm glad you called in. It, it, I mean, gosh, it's, this has been great. Is there anything yeah, no, you I got appreciate, up I like appreciate like everything. That? Yeah, actually, um, you can follow me on social media. It's Chaz Moretti on Facebook and uh, Real Chaz M1 on Twitter, uh, Chaz M1 on Instagram. I'm not on Instagram very often, though. Um, but you can follow me on social media. You can tell me how much of an a-hole I am and how bitter I am and how you hate me and you wish I'd go away. And if you really want to make me feel good, tell me that you wish I'd die because I'm a heel. I love that kind of stuff. And... Um, uh, one plug I want to give out is March 12th, I get to go down to the old Mid-South Territory, and I get to work nice. for Gulf State Wrestling, and they've got a gigantic show coming up in Morgan City, Louisiana, and and I it's a bucket list for me to work that town, because anytime you get to work uh, Louisiana, near New Orleans, you know, if, if you're not thinking back to the Mid-South days, then yeah, you're just not thinking back. So that's my next booking that's coming up. I'm looking forward to it. I'm not taking very many bookings this year. I'm, I'm picking and choosing. Um, and I'm, my wife and I are going to sit and talk and evaluate this year because I'm still coming back off a couple of health scares. Much better now than I was. But we're going to sit back and evaluate and see what goes on. And, um, you know, and like I said, if, if it's the end, I don't have any regrets. And if it's not, then we'll figure out how we're going to continue. Above all, I love being on uh, WCW Retro. Thank you again for having me, and I look forward to calling in again. Oh, yeah, anytime, brother. And, and, and guys listening, if you're in the area, check out Chaz. Do his thing, man. That, that's that's awesome. And, you know, man, I miss you guys. Yeah, don't ask for autographs or T-shirts because I don't sign up. <laughs> I don't sell anything. <laughs> I went six years with a stack of T-shirts and never sold. I had to give them away. I'm done. Oh, wow. Oh wow. 
Uh, uh, Granny, you still with us? You got anything you want to plug along with us? Oh, I'm still here. I I really enjoyed being part of the show tonight and just listening to the great stories and everything that you all were sharing. Uh, hey, Granny, come on down to Morgan City. You can see me in all of my Italianness. You well, know you I, am me. Gonna be, I am going to be busy March 12, Chaz, because uh, you say that every time I'm working down south. Up here you say that every time I'm working down south. Well, I might we, be coming to Arkansas have, in the fall. We have a show, uh, Ozark Mountain Wrestling, on March 12th, where uh, the main event is going to be Ivan Warsaw against uh, against Rodney Mack. It's going to be the main nice. event. Oh, wow. So, and... But and Granny, if I, I got, if I got to come to Arkansas to make you turn to the dark side, I will. You will be well, NWO you are, you Granny Hulkster before I retire. Dark side, Chaz. It's not going to oh, work. Oh, won't I? <laughs> it's not going to work. You will be donning black and silver, my young gear. No, I will not I be. Before I retire. Oh, no, yes, I will you will. Not be. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> what, Chad? Right, I, I'm going to shut up, but we'll be here for another half hour. My fault. Sorry, Guess guys. What? Granny and David and Anthony are going to be getting to go to WrestleMania this year with a very good friend of ours that's taking us to WrestleMania this year. We are so excited. That's awesome. That's awesome. I cannot wait. That, that's cool. I hope you guys have a great time. Good times. Oh, so, this has been a heck of a show, I'm, guys. I'm planning on I'm, I'm planning on it because I I can't I can't wait. I mean I'm my son is so my son is 35 years old, and when my friend told him, asked him if he'd ever had a dream of going to WrestleMania, and Anthony says, well yeah, and he says, well bro, he says you, me, your mom, your dad, we're all going to WrestleMania, and. I mean, Anthony looks like a kid with a new toy at Christmas time. He has the biggest smile on his face. <laughs> I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, please give them all my, give them all our best, man. That, that's that's a good. I hope you guys have a great time. And thank oh, you guys. Will, so much. You guys make will. the show as always. And uh, well, we, take I care of yourselves. I, I know I don't always. I know I always don't get to no. call in every week, but I love WCW Retro. It's awesome. Oh, thank you so much. We love you, too. And we love all you guys, man. You guys are the best. And be sure to catch the archives of tonight's show. If you're going to listen to it again at BOCNation.com, just look for WCW Retro and Greatest Moments in Wrestling History. Oh, it's a pleasure, guys. I can't wait to talk with you guys again. Gosh, I, we could talk all night, man. If we, <laughs> this has been the blast. Uh, take care of yourselves. Be good to each other. Have a great weekend and a good week. And uh, we see you guys next Thursday. We'll, we'll close it out with some Road Warriors. God bless. Take care.